I never saw such a woman. She would certainly be a fearsome thing to behold. Ladybird. Well, I gave it to myself. It's given to me by me. Well, I'm not a poet. I'm just a woman. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Film Girlies podcast. It's Emily and Fiona here today. Hi, Fiona. How are you doing? I am so wonderful. How are you? So wonderful. We've been recording these in the morning. Well, I say that where it's been like two weeks in a row where we've recorded them in the morning, which is really funny for both of us because Fiona has worked after this and I'm just so eepy. That's all. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I have something to do today, but like last week I was just like, just eepy in the morning. And I wonder if that reads, but I don't know. I feel like it does. You can feel my tiredness. It's honestly mm-hmm. my own fault. I literally could have gone to bed earlier, but well, I just didn't. I am such a, I like stay up until like one o'clock in the morning. And then I wake up the next morning and I'm like, why am I so sleepy? Like, why do I feel fatigued? Probably because you got like the world's worst sleep last night. Literally. Today. Today. We are going to talk about our favorite um, book adaptations. So mostly just movies that are based off of an original book. Um, I have like a TV show or two that I wanted to discuss very quickly. Cause I, oh, yeah, for sure. It's, it's an adaptation still. One of them exactly. I'm going to be very angry about. I do apologize in advance. She needs, okay. to do some, she needs to do some um, complaining today. Some venting today. Yeah. Some venting on the podcast. So, yeah, we're going to talk about, yeah, the book-to-movie adaptations that we love, the ones that we want to see, and some that just didn't work for us. Because not everything is a win. Honestly, most book-to-movie adaptations are not a win. <laughs> you have a great point with that. One thing that you might not know about Fiona and I is that we're also readers. Fiona, a lot more so than me. I haven't touched a book in a while because university just kind of made me not want to read anything ever again. I, I gave up on reading because it just, I was like, I have to do so much reading for school. Why would I read leisurely? No. Like, do you read during, yeah. the, during the school year? Oh, yeah, all the time. See, I don't know how you do that because, like, in my brain, I just can't, like, separate the reading. Well, usually, like, my reading for school is usually not, it's not usually, like, fiction, so I don't see, like, I see it as, like, textbook oh, yeah. reading and, like, my own books. Um, I don't know. I try just because I know it keeps me sane, like, having something to, like, wind down with at, like, the end of the night or, like, usually in the morning I make, like, a coffee and I sit with my book for a bit before I, like, actually get a start on my day. Oh, that's amazing. So, yeah, I love, I love my little bookies. Um, I cookies. just got out of a reading slump, but now I have to try to fix my good, my ro- my reading goal for the year because I set it for 70 oh. and I've read like 23, I think. But according to Storygraph, I'm three books behind schedule if I want to make that goal. Uh-oh. It's okay. <sighs> I believe in you. I know you can do this. Okay. Well, shall we begin with our, where do you want to begin? Do you want to begin with like our least favorite or our favorite? Okay. Fiona. What is your favorite ever book-to-movie adaptation? Okay. Like, I have a guess, but, like, Wait, this is hard. Why is this so hard? Um, it's, like, sort of Dune. (laughs) I knew that, I knew that was going to be the answer. I knew. You mean David Lynch's Dune? Absolutely. No. Oh, my gosh. Should we discuss David Lynch's Dune? Because what was that? 
Um, no, we I thought we talked about that last week. We talked about the lore, though, of it being made, not the actual movie itself. So basically, okay, Dune. Go ahead. Um, Dune. The I don't remember what year it was published by Frank Herbert. The original, like, first book in the series, absolutely fantastic. It's like high, high levels of fantasy and sci-fi. Um, my copy came with a dictionary in the back, so you can look up all of like the terms in the world because it's so intense and like confusing at first. But I think if you pay t- enough attention to it and you care enough for it after like the first like 100 pages you're good to go like i was set i was so in it i love all of the books i haven't read i have two left but i've read i love the four i've read um so in 1984 david lynch adapted this book very poorly i do believe it could have been better if the studio hadn't interfered with his like final cut of the film but um still i don't really like the style he used in adapting it i just um it's not what i envisioned really when i read the book um it was a little too 80s sci-fi and also the other issue i had is that he adapted the final cut of the film adapts the full book all like almost a thousand pages um and he does that in about two i want to say like two hours 15 minutes 20 minutes okay the whole book denise love covers the first half of the book in June 2021 um and he does that in two and a half hours so you can imagine the pacing issues that David Lynch's Dune has he covers he like speed runs the second half of the book in literally like a half hour like it's just so confusing um so I don't really yeah some of the choices were very funny I'll give him that like if you're going for a more humorous look at Dune it's very wonderful but yeah um, Denis Villeneuve is, like, he calls himself the biggest Dune fan, which I just adore. He probably is. He got to adapt his, like, favorite book. There are um, a few, like, when Dune came out, he released these pictures of storyboards he and his friend made when he was 13 of scenes from Dune. And where they were, he was 13 and he was, like, planning his adaptation of this book that he loves. And someone went through the Dune 2 trailer and matched up these storyboards to, like, shots from it. And it was just, like, so cute. Like, imagine getting to, like, having the talent to, like, um, create a movie based on your vision of a book. Like, that's insane. I'm so happy that someone who really loves Dune got to do this. Because he doesn't, like, understand. And you can feel it in the movie. And that's why it's my favorite adaptation, because I think the most important thing is having someone who understands the original source material and has a connection to it. They're not just like, oh, here's a script, it's based off a movie, I'll make that. It's, oh, I love this book. This is a passion project. I want to make this. And it's just so special. I just adore it. There's not really much else I can say. I think, because, like, he does the world building very well just as, like, the first half of Dune does. And Dune 2 is just going to be amazing because he's set. He has all the foundations that the first half of the plot sets. And now he can just go off into sandworm land. And I'm so excited. It's going to be so excellent. Oh, my God. I think you bring up a, a good and, like, important point, though, that usually the worst book-to-movie adaptations just come from movies or like screenwriters or directors or producers that like hate the book or like have a disregard for it or want to make it they're like oh we can make this source material better mm-hmm. let's just make it better and change a bunch of things um almost like putting themselves above the original 
creator of yeah. the novel, which I don't know. I, the best ones always come when they work in, they either like work in synergy or like what you were saying, like someone who has a deep appreciation, deep appreciation for the source material. Cause otherwise, yeah, if you're coming at it from an angle of, Oh, I want to change this or, Oh, this isn't good, which I have seen. Mm-hmm. And they don't make good adaptations. They just really don't. I think you also need to have a cast that also likes the book, or at least yes. understands it. Like that, oh, I love that picture of Timothy Chalamet sitting on like a New York subway train, <laughs> reading Dune. It's like so. Yeah. You know, it's just like yeah, he's like he wants to play Polytrades to the best he can. He really did. He killed that. And so just yeah. Yeah. I think it's a good example of just understanding a book and what it wants to say and being able to visualize it. It's yeah. It's very good. Emily, do you want to yeah. go with yours? Oh, yes, of course. Okay, we knew that the YA novel adaptations would come into play in this episode because we're both, we both still read YA. No shame at all. No shame. Like, anyone can enjoy them. You know what I mean? Like, just because they're written about or for a certain demographic. Anyways, it's like a whole other... Yeah, it's a whole well, different. It's episode. like emotion, just emotional attachment to them. You know, like mm. most of my favorite books also I read that. when I was younger, and so I'm like, they're just a, they're a part of me. You know, like yeah. I can't separate myself from them because I just love them for so long. Because I am them, and I am catching fire. That's who I am. Okay, I'm a big fan of the Hunger Games trilogy. We're talking books. First one was great. Catching Fire is like the best sequel I've ever read. It's probably my favorite YA novel. Like, if we just ignore the sequel part of it, it's just, like, amazing. And then Mockingjay is its own thing. We won't talk about Mockingjay. And then the movies came out, and I was kind of, I was pretty young when they came out. I read these books, I think I was, like, in grade five and six when I read them. So I was, like, ten, eleven. Um, I don't know how old I was. I want to say, um, hold on. I need to think. I feel like I was probably in grade six or seven. Yeah, that sounds right. That makes sense. Because I remember that I wasn't, I hadn't read the books when, like, the first two movies came out. But I Mm -hmm. do remember I went to go see Mockingjay Part 2 in the theaters. Me too. I still have my movie ticket. Aw, that's so cute. I don't. I don't know where I went, but that was iconic. Truly, the end of an era. But we're talking about Catching Fire here. Um, It's just so good. Just, it's an amazing adaptation of the source material, but it's also just, it adds to the source material. I also adds to the source material. The pacing is a lot better from the first movie. Like, controversial take, I think the first Hunger Games movie isn't that great. I don't know. I just felt like it had some pacing issues and also, like, perspective issues. Fiona raised her hand. Am I in trouble? (laughs) No, I completely agree. The perspective issue is my biggest issue. I'm going to go on a very quick Hunger Games rant. I know people adore these movies so much. And my issue with it is that the people who adore them a lot, I don't think they've read the books. Because it's such a complete change from how Katniss is, like, written. You know, like in the books, you're inside Katniss's head. You see the games from the perspective of someone trying to figure out how she is being manipulated by like her government, by her peers, by everyone around her. 
And the movie is just like, <laughs> people in the arena, they be killing. And the book is just so much more personal to Katniss. And I feel like as much as I love Catching Fire, like I truly do, these movies do Katniss so freaking dirty. Like she is reduced to Jennifer Lawrence killed it. Not, I'm not speaking against that woman. I love her. But the writing, the way she's written, the way she is like perceived by the media now and like when people look at Katniss they think about how she's um, reflected in the movies and that is not at all how she was written that is not how she should be perceived she should be yeah she's just she's reduced so much in the movies and it pisses me off so much when people say they're so good because just read the books and they're so much better like I do enjoy these movies I enjoy watching them I love Catching Fire I just can't stand to see like it just it's not the same understanding of Katniss that I have from the books and it really makes me angry yeah yes I completely agree because we don't see the game makers and we don't see the capital behind the scenes in the book in the books we just get Katniss and I think like you said it just makes for a lot more meaningful story and a lot a story packed more with symbolism and imagery when we're just experiencing the Hunger Games through Katniss's perspective, it's more impactful. That being said, I freaking love Catching Fire, and I will never not love Catching Fire. I think it's better. It's it's a better adaptation than the. Hung- I, of course, I don't think they're perfect, but I think like perhaps the balance of Katniss's perspective and also the capital slash outer perspective in Catching Fire is a lot more balanced than it was in the first one. Because the first Hunger Games movie, I felt like it was just so much capital like we spent way too long in the game maker room you know what i mean like we spent so long in there and i had to look at cinna or no not cinna well who's the game maker in the first movie what's his name i don't remember but i'm pretty sure philip seymour hoffman plays him no he's Is in, he the in the second movies. one okay i love you Philip. yeah he's the, he's the game yeah rest in peace king he's in the second he's the game maker in the second okay movie. I don't it's know. He's with like the, the weird time. beard, and he wears like red, and he has like this like. Oh, Isn't it Seneca Crane? I think so. Yeah, you're right. You're so right. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, I spent way too much time looking at that guy. Too much time that I could have been looking at Katniss. And mm-hmm. her beautiful face. I also think one thing that the movies does is it prioritizes the relationship arcs slash love triangle nonsense of like Katniss, Gale, and Peeta a lot more than the books did? Is that just me? Or did you No, kind of it that does. Too? It does, but somehow it also just does never gives Katniss and Peeta enough time to be a believable couple in my opinion. Yes, also that. Like I found their arc into a relationship more believable in the book because of their time they they just have more time together in the books. But I also felt that it wasn't as large of a primary it's focus. not and it kind of just developed naturally in the books whereas like in the movies i don't know it just felt like perhaps like maybe it was just a marketing thing people wanted the the ya teen romance was really in so they were like let's put that into our dystopian novel as mm-hmm. well which is so funny because that's exactly what the capital was doing they were like oh my gosh look at these two teenagers and love to distract you from the fact that there are teenagers killing themselves yeah and killing other people and then it's horrendous. Anyways, so much commentary. There's this one girl on TikTok who's like, and first off, she has like the most amazing soothing voice ever. And she just an- analyzes the Hunger Games 
And like, actually, oh, she has something on my for you page. I have to slow. I have to find her because otherwise it's gonna bother me. But she's amazing. We can end our Hunger Games. Okay. Now, but I love Catching Fire. Catching it has Fire issues, is excellent. But I love Catching Fire. I have one more beef with the Hunger Games, and that's that Mockingjay Part One is completely made up movie. I hate maybe, that movie. There's maybe three events in that whole movie that take place in the book, and the rest is completely made up so they could make more money. And so, um, yeah, whoever's idea that was, fight me, I guess. I don't know. I'm mad. I'm sorry. I get, like, really... <sighs> For some reason, this, like, adaptations really, is, like, get on my nerves so bad. Like, I couldn't complain about them for hours nonstop. I completely agree. I also found the girl on TikTok. Her act is Lucky Lefty. Fantastic. She just, she's always posting a lot of analysis of the Hunger Games, like the movies and the books. She's also read the books. I'm going to send you one of her videos because they're just fantastic. Awesome. Thank you. They're just good. Um, I think we should stay in the vein of young adult fiction. And discuss the the John Green book adaptations that exist in this world. Oh my god! <laughs> Listen, Fiona, you're like ri- you're ripping like something from my past and bringing it forward. <laughs> no, because I relived all of this last year. Okay. Listen, I have many many books, and so I've been rereading all of them to go through, see what I want to keep, to see what um like what I, like if I still like something, whatever. So I had to reread my collection of John Green books. I was not immune to the John Green phase that every teenage girl has to go through. Me neither. No. Um. So last two years ago, any um fall of like 2021, I went through a little John Green era where I reread all of his books and I watched all of the movies. Batman gaslit us into thinking The Fault in Our Stars was good. <clears throat> oh, really? Because I haven't seen it since I was like 14. I was watching it in disbelief. Why are they making out in the Anne Frank house? Oh, I remember that. That was awful. Why did that happen? And the worst part was that I even cried at the end because it still got to me. <laughs> I mean, it's still sad. They're like in love and he I remember dies. it vividly. Spoiler, I had... sorry. <laughs> I just spoiled The Fault in Our Stars. If you haven't seen it by now, get a grip. Um, I remember I had the Fault in Our Stars on, like, one tiny window in the corner of my laptop screen, um, my stats homework on the other half, and then, like, my stats calculator in the corner, and I was doing my little stats homework at, like, 9pm watching the Fault in Our Stars, and I kept getting distracted because he was, like, gonna die, and I felt my eyes, like, watering, and I was like, no, you can't cry about the Fault in Our Stars in the year of 2021, that's embarrassing, and then I cried. <sighs> anyway, that's the first rant. Fault in Our Stars is bad. Paper Towns is just Manic Pixie Dream Girl to the max. I hate The Paper only good Towns. part of that book and movie is the road trip, and I will stand by that for the rest of my life. But, but why is the movie so different from the book, though? So Did you different. feel that? It's so yes. different. That's why it's ranked 29 out of 33 on my book-to-movie list. It's really not very good. I hated that. And who was who played the girl? Cara Delevingne. Cara Delevingne? She was bad. Yeah, Sorry. She was. But, so, we can, we can't really forgive them for those two adaptations, but we can forgive them, mm-hmm. because they made the Looking for Alaska TV show, which is, like, I have, um, that's a TV show, so it's a little bit different, but Looking for Alaska has, like, long, was my favorite book for a long time, 
Um, it's my favorite John Green book by a lot. I watched this show last year, and it is so perfect. Like, it encapsulates the book so wonderfully. I recognize lines from the book. I recognize exact scenes. I knew where it was going, and it still, like, destroyed me. Every character was so well cast. I was amazed. Somehow they managed to avoid the Manic Pixie Dream Girl of it all. Like, Which I just didn't. Really impressive because I feel like that would be a really easy story easy, to, like, that's what go I was that worried about. route with. Exactly. I was worried they were going to fall into that, and I just didn't. And so if you're looking for a really good adaptation, I would go th- looking for Alaska series. I, it's on, it's like a Hulu series. Um, so I don't really know where you can stream it in Canada. I know where I streamed it. But yeah, Looking for Alaska is an incredible adaptation. I think we need to say something good because we just were really, we were just really, really mean about a lot of things for the last like 10 minutes. So yeah, Looking for Alaska is is a wonderful adaptation that I fully and wholeheartedly endorse. I I haven't seen the adaptation yet, but Looking for Alaska is my favorite John Green novel. If I reread it, would it still be? That's a great question. Maybe I should just reread it. No, it will. Because I reread it. Okay. I reread it when I did my John Green reread in like 2021, and it still hit. I was like, "Yeah, this is excellent." There's like well, a few and wasn't it? Me, but... Yeah, of course. Wasn't it his first novel? Or did I think so. Up? No, I think you're That's right. That's impressive. It's so spectacular. I love it. That's amazing. Amazing. Yeah, let's keep talking about good things. Let's go good, good things. things that we like. Whose turn is it? Oh, I want to talk about one young adult fiction, but I know okay. you don't agree with me on this one. I'm so scared. it's going to be a conversation. Well, okay. Well, your letterbox review of it is kind of high, but again. Okay, so the per- stop, stop reading my reviews. <laughs> <laughs> it's The Perks of Being a Wallflower, which I love as an adaptation, and I think it's so close to the book and so reflective to the mood of the book and the story of it, but you disagree. Okay. I, do, I really like the movie as, like, a movie. I just think that... As much as I love movies, truly I do, I think that there are some connections you can have that only when you only like read a book, you know? Like I just I can't The Perks of Being Wallflower is such a perfect book that I adore so much, but I just couldn't it didn't have the movie didn't have the same effect on me some for some reason. Like it just didn't it didn't connect the same way. And so I do really like the movie. I think it's really well made and I do enjoy it. But compared to the book, it's just like I have I did, it did not. It does not destroy me the way the book did, and so I can't love it as much. Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, it's just kind of no. That totally makes sense. Okay, it's just one connected with you on a deeper level than the other. One last young adult. Actually, no, two last. I'm sorry. Then we'll move on from young adult fiction. I swear. Actually, wait. No, we can't move on because I haven't gone on my mortal instruments. The city of bones rant. Okay, I'm gonna wrap this up quick because no one cares about this the way I do. Um, Tall the Boys I've Loved Before is a perfect movie. I will take absolutely no criticism on it whatsoever. I will take the criticism on the last two bo- movies. Yes. The first one's fantastic. We love it. It's fantastic. I've seen it a million times. Life-changing, honestly. All the books are life-changing, but only the first movie is life-changing. Make sure you know that. Yeah. Second item of business, um, The Maze Runner. It's so excellent. It's so excellent. Actually, no. The first two movies are, okay. all of the movies are um, not quite accurate. The first one is the closest one. The second two are, like, literally just nothing like the book. They have, like, the same, like, major points, but, like, everything else is completely different. But something happened to me in the movie theater when I saw Maze Runner, The Death Cure, for the first time, and I've never been the same, and so I have to legally say that it's incredible and that I love it very much, even though it's really not. Like, I don't think these movies are good, but 
I love them very, very much. Do you have you read the Maze Runner, Emily? I actually didn't read the Maze Runner. I don't Dang. know how I got through the YA dystopia era of twenty fifteen without reading the Maze Runner, but I did. And I don't know, I always heard good things though. I'd say that might be my favorite dystopian one. It's excellent. Okay, good to know. But my favorite young adult fiction series of all time <laughs> is the Shadowhunters series, of which there are um, three, no, there are four different series within the, the world, and they adapted one of these series into a film called The Mortal Instruments City of Bones, and I have so much to say about this movie i won't do it all because it's so much but just i don't understand how you can miscast an entire movie (laughs) listen i think the two leads of the film do a very good job unfortunately their characters were written so so poorly i don't under oh my gosh there's this one character his name's jace i love him he does some questionable stuff but i still love him very very much i don't understand how you can write a character so horribly wrong twice because they made this movie and then they made a tv show tv show is a whole other ball game if you have seen this show you are entitled to financial compensation please message me and i will talk to you about it for like four hours but they wrote his character so poorly both times like twice like you had two chances to give like a great character a chance to be on the screen and you messed it up so bad both times and the casting on the second one like the show was awful the first one, we can live with it. The writing was just really bad. And they just miscast everyone in that movie. Like, no one makes sense. It is so horrendous. Every time I think about it, I just feel like crying a little bit. Because some people only read or only watch these movies. And that's what they think The Mortal Instruments is. And I'm like, no, please, please. I, actually, I don't want anyone to read these. Because if you try to criticize it, I'll like, be very angry. And also, it's, like, a, v- a lot of mental work to read them. <laughs> so it's, like, don't do not do it. But also, like, they're my favorite books ever. And so, leading off of that, this is going to be a direct threat to any movie producer, TV show producer, anyone in Hollywood. If you touch the infernal devices, and, and you try to do it without me and Cassandra Clare, the dear author, present is over. You do not come near these books. They are literally my favorite books of all time. Not YA, my favorite YA fiction. Not my favorite, like, whatever. It is my favorite book of all time. Clockwork Princess is the best book ever written. Do not adapt it unless I am there to do it. I have no filmmaking experience. Very little writing experience. I cannot make a movie. But don't touch that if I am not there. That is my threat. Thank you. Emily, please say something else. I will understand. It's kind of... It's kind of giving the Percy Jackson adaptation, and I only read, like, the first three books, but I remember watching that movie, like, the one with the perks of being a wallflower guy in it as Percy Jackson, and I was just like, what is this? What is this? But I feel like your your rant is a good segue into movies, or, sorry, books that we don't want added, adapted. Like, what else do you not want touched? I Jenny's really- and Clockwork Princess. I will grow up if someone tries to do Clockwork Princess. I'm not even joking. <laughs> I know. I believe that. What else do I not want adapted? Should I tell them about my dream? <laughs> oh, yes. Tell them about your dream. 
I've been waiting for you to talk about this. So, as an, I'm an avid reader of young adult fiction, of classic literature, and then my third genre that I dabble in is um, hockey romance novels. <laughs> you can judge. I don't care. They're excellent. If you don't get it, you don't get it. And that's okay. There's a book called The Deal. Unfortunately, it is probably one of my favorite books of all time. I can't even explain why. It's just very stupid. Like, I know it's not a stupid thing to say. I'm going to own it. I love that book. It's so good. The Deal by L. Kennedy. Please read it. It's excellent. Anyway, in January, I took a class, um, a David Lynch film class. And so we only watched David Lynch movies all week. This David Lynch class um, was the best time of my whole life, but also extremely mentally draining. Because if you've seen a David Lynch movie, you don't want to watch 10 of those in one week. Um, but basically, my whole brain was David, like, David Lynch coded, right? Like, I couldn't think of anything else. So about like a week after this class, I woke, I had a dream one night that David Lynch was adapting The Deal by L. Kennedy into like a feature length film. <laughs> Those two things could not be more different in terms of vibe. Like I don't even, I'll, the only thing I remember from my dream was that like he announced it and then I woke up right before they were doing like casting announcements, which is really sad. I would have loved to see what my subconscious was going to cast a David Lynch hockey romance movie as but wow that was a really incredible dream but it was also horrible because then i spent the next week reflecting on what that would be i love that dream so much i think it's the best dream you've ever had i don't even i know i know i don't know all of the dreams that you've ever had because i'm not in your brain but i think it's just the best dream you've ever had um i think it's rivaling the dream i had where I, this is at a time where I'd only, I've been watching like a lot of mafia movies. And then I watched, and then I was reading Shadowhunters at the same time, and I had a dream that Will Herndale saved me from the mafia. That was pretty good. That's a good dream. I that would, one was that pretty a, excellent. That's a great dream. I would be really upset if I woke up from that dream. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember deep in my One Direction phase, I had like dreams about One Direction and that, like, you know, like the stupid fan fiction stuff where I would like, go backstage and like party with them or something and then i would like wake up from the dream and i was like mm-hmm. oh. that reminds me of another thing i don't want adapted i know we are in our new era of adapting harry styles fan fictions like after i will admit <laughs> i have read my fair share of harry styles fan fiction and i do have favorites and if they try to adapt my favorite it is so over that fanfic is wonderful i'm not saying what it is <laughs> I don't want to be judged. It's so good. If they adapt it, I'll be very angry because I love it a lot. And yeah. I never got into the... I don't think I even read that much One Direction fan fiction. I was reading other fan fiction. Don't get me wrong. Jenna and I are not past fan fiction. I don't think it's cringe. There's some great fan fiction out there. I started a new one. <laughs> exactly. I don't read them anymore, but that's just because I'm lazy. You but know that... Still- um... I'm sure you've heard of it, the Marauders fanfic they made for Harry Potter, like, all the young dudes with, like, all the, it's, like, the, you weren't in the, into Harry Potter very much. There's, like, they've, someone wrote, like, this, like, 200 chapter fanfic about, like, Harry Potter's parents, like, their time at Hogwarts. Um, I started it the other day. I'm very intrigued by it. I'm kind of excited. It's been good so far, but I just like getting back to Harry Potter, but not having to read J.K. Rowling writing. <laughs> yeah. It's nice. I miss Harry Potter. It's a wonderful world to be in. Come on, J.K. Rowling. Why do you have to be, like, transphobic? Why do you have to be a turf? I read, like, the first Harry Potter book. I never really got into Harry Potter, but I'm still mad on behalf of all of my friends who love Harry Potter. I feel I'm, Yeah. I'm, I'm not sorry. the biggest fan of the Harry Potter movies. Like, I like them. I just, like, I didn't. I grew up on the books, not the movies. 
So I don't have as much of a connection to them. I also don't remember them that much because I watched them in one day. <laughs> I don't think they left the biggest impression on me. I'd do it again. It's fine. Um, mm-hmm. What do you not want adapted? I mean, honestly, my one of my favorite books of all time is it's a YA novel. Again, we're not past that here. It, it's called I'll Give You the Sun by Jandy Nelson. And I really don't want that adapted. I just love that book so much. And the, the magical realism in it, I don't think could be adapted successfully. I also know that they adapted her first novel, The Sky is Everywhere, very recently. And I didn't see it because I, I liked that book. I didn't love it to the extent that I love I'll Give You the Sun. But um, I liked it. I thought it was really well written and it was fantastic. But the movie just got like awful reviews. <laughs> And I don't think it did that well, so I've been avoiding it just to preserve my love of the book. Because it's scary, because, like, once you watch a movie, you can never read the book the same again. Subconsciously, at least in my brain, subconsciously, I start seeing the actors when I read instead of, Mm -hmm. like, the, the characters that I had envisioned in my head. And I don't want that, so I'm just not gonna touch that, and I really hope they do not touch I'll give you the sun. Because there's other books I like where I'm like, you can adapt it. That's fine. I might not see it, but just don't touch that one. Honestly, I just feel like it would be great in terms of getting more people to read that book. But I also feel like a lot of people read that book. It's not, at least in my circles, anyway. (laughs) That's why I only read it because you told me to. Exactly, exactly. I read recently that I forget... I feel like it's very hard with these movies because, like, a lot of the books we love, they're not going to be adapted by directors we trust. They're going to be directed by, like, random people. Um, and so it's really tricky. I read that someone I know, some director I know of, is directing Clara Clara and the Sun, Kasuo Ishiguro's newest book, into a movie. I can't remember who's doing it. I'm typing noises again. Sorry. Taika Waititi is going, is in negotiations, negotiations to direct it. I'm not quite sure how I feel about that. Um, I, yeah, I didn't read it like I said, it didn't read as a comedy to me, so I'm not really sure what's going on there. But I'll probably watch it. I anyway. mean, it could. Yeah, I mean, it could. Also, like sometimes I find I usually find that within the realm of acting and creating, people who can do comedy can do drama fairly well, but vice yeah. versa usually doesn't work. Like a dramatic actor or like a solely dramatic actor solely dramatic director don't always write comedy as well as yeah comedic writers actors directors play and write drama well, yeah so I, I don't know a fair point i just like taika waititi is not known for like he's known for putting comedy in anything he makes i don't think he's toning it down for this but, oh well, I really like, Katsu Ishiguro is one of my favorite authors of all time. Speaking of more adaptations, Never Let Me Go is definitely one of the best books I've ever read. <laughs> and the yes. adaptation, um, while it does miss some things for me, it still is very good. I really like the performances in it. Um, Carrie Mulligan is excellent. Love her. Yeah, Never Let Me Go was great. I didn't like it as much as the book, but... Me neither. But just having something that is just, like, still a fairly, at least, like, a good visual representation for me is really nice. It's, yeah, it's, I don't think it's perfect, but it's definitely good. And that's kind of how I felt of, I watched Andrea Arnold's adaptation of Wuthering Heights, which is one of my favorite books ever. And, again, like, it had 
points that I really liked, I think it visualized the mood of the book and some of the themes and like motifs of the book very well. But in terms of plot points, I didn't really love it. And also there was so much animal cruelty in that movie. It was insane. I had to do so much skipping. I was like, no, I really don't want to see a a puppy get hung. Like, hello, I'm good. Like twice. I was like, no. Luckily, I had, like, you know that website, like, Does the Dog Die? I had the time stamps. So I was like, boop, boop. So I luckily got to skip that. But, yeah, like, I think sometimes they are successful in adapting a mood and a feeling, not necessarily the plot point specifically. Mm -hmm. I know I agree. You need all of the vibes. I'm trying to think. Out of my top five, like, books of all time, three of them have been adapted. So Never Let Me Go movie slays. Dune movie, incredible. Other one is Normal People by Miss Sally Rooney. Miss Sally Rooney is single-handedly responsible for so many of my meltdowns, not even joking. The Normal People show, I do need to revisit it. I don't think I was in quite the right headspace when I watched it for the first time. I need to see it again. Paul Mescal and Daisy Edgar-Jones perfectly encapsulate Connell and Marianne. Like, it's insane, the talent they show like they showcase in this show i think normal people is an incredibly like intimate book it's completely one of my favorite things about it is that it doesn't have quotation marks and so everything in it feels like a thought but also an action and yes it's a little confusing but like also it makes it like such an incredible experience i adore that book so so much and i think the show while the show is absolutely incredible much like Percy Being Wallflower, it missed, like, the deeper connection for me. I think if I rewatched it, I might try to watch it in one day just to see what the psychological effects of that is. <laughs> um, but I think once, like, I rewatch it, uh, well, this opinion will change for sure. But as of right now, I didn't feel as deep of a connection to it, even though I adore it. The cinematography is gorgeous. The performances are literally insane. Like, I don't, I'm never going to recover from Paul Mescal as Connell. Like, that's just, like, something you don't move on from, like, ever. Not even just because he's hot, <laughs> but because he is also that. so, oh, he's just, like, so, he makes me want to scream and cry and throw up. So every time I see that man cry, I burst out into tears. Like, it's just visceral reactions for me. I, I can't deal with it. I see so much of myself mm-hmm. in Connell and Marianne that it's, like, the most painful experience you can possibly have reading the book and watching that show. But it's an experience I would not trade for the world. It's so good. I love that book. I still haven't made my way to the adaptation because, see, I always avoid things that I think are going to, like, emotionally scar me. And then I go into it and it does emotionally scar me. And then I'm like, well, I'm glad I'm here. I don't know. It's weird because it's like I'm heartbroken, but I'm also so fulfilled Mm -hmm. in my viewing of this and yeah like you were saying it's just such an intimate book that capturing that intimacy is also beautiful but i know lots of people talk crap about the fact that there's no quotation marks i get it okay i was confused at first too but like once you get it people be different if you get it you get it if you don't you don't it's for the girls that's it you know who didn't get it the people adapting her other book conversations with friends i haven't seen that one who was that who directed that I don't know. It was like another TV show. I think Conversations with Friends is an incredible book as well. Like it, I don't love it as much as I love normal people, but I still like adore it. And I watched the show and I just felt ill the whole time. Like it's just the character. Um, I would say the performances are not the best and 
because of that, they and the writing also does not, and the show does not lend itself to give the characters multiple dimensions, and so they kind of just feel like insufferable pieces of crap, <laughs> rather than someone I want to care about and spend my time with, which sucks because the book was like that for me, like it was really beautiful. But well, shall we wrap it up with perhaps some of our favorite classic? literature yeah so i know i 2005 <laughs> Pride and Prejudice is such an amazing movie it is so good it's so beautiful the vibes are just absolutely off the charts insane like you just feel so at peace and comforted by the movie i adore it kira knightley is the most stunning woman to ever walk the earth probably um she's beautiful every performance is excellent i don't know i can't even i can't express how perfect it is it's just something you have to watch to understand. My one of my favorite ad, like recent adaptations of like classic literature, and I'm not gonna include plays in this because I'm a big Shakespeare fan. Um, I'm also was a theater kid, so I have a lot of like plays that I love that have been adapted into movies and TV shows and stuff. But for me, they're just different. Plays and books are in, like, totally different veins because plays are a performance art in itself. So I'm just going to, like, because I love, like, the 1960s Romeo and Juliet movie, but I'm not going to – that doesn't count. Those you are love the, You love the 90s one, too, right? Of course I love the 90s yeah. one, too. I showed you my new DVD. Yes, you did. I'm so jealous. Fiona, tell them about your DVDs really quickly because I I'm feel like bringing they need it. to know. Oh, it's so important. I'm bringing it out to show Emily on the video so she can see. It comes this so in this criminal. glorious red case that looks like a cur- like a red curtain for a stage. And when you open it, you have four beautiful DVDs. You have one of Baslam's first features, Strictly Ballroom, which I haven't seen yet, but I'm very excited to. You have uh, Romeo and Juliet. Baslam's Romeo and Juliet, of course, with Leonardo DiCaprio and Claire Danes. Yes. And then you have this glorious Moulin Rouge DVD. That opens and there's so many pictures in it. Just look. Wow. It is stunning. And two discs, one disc for movie, one for bonus features. Emily is doing an obscene gesture and I don't appreciate it. She's just jealous that I found. I am. I am extremely jealous. That's where the obscene gesture is coming from. It is coming but from then, jealousy. There's one more DVD and it's called Behind the Red Curtain Collector's Disc. And it has special features from all three films. Remember when I was hating on Baz Luhrmann for making Elvis a few months ago and then I spent $20 on a whole box set of his movies? <laughs> yes, I do remember that. I remember Tee-hee. that distinctly. Tee-hee. Oh, well. Tee-hee. Oh, Baz. We already did our Baz episode. Yeah. Slash Moulin Rouge episode. That was a great Love episode. Him. Um, I got us off track. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. It was a great, it was a great we... derailing. We were talking about uh, how much I love like Romeo and Juliet, but I'm not going right. to count that as right. a book because it's not a book. Back to my favorite classical literature adaptation of recently. It's probably Greta Gerwig's Little Women. Yeah. I loved it. It's so it's good. So good. Like, I love her interspersing between the past and the present or mm-hmm. future, whatever you want to call it. I found it really clear and impactful, but I remember not everybody agreed with me. Some people were, like, really confused, and they were like, I'm so confused, like, it's jumping, but, like, I don't know, like, which one's the past and which one's this, and I was like... 
I thought it was, was very like, clear. Girl, Florence Pugh has bangs in one of them and she doesn't in the other. Like, I don't know what to tell you. Also, like, the lighting, like, the whole scaling of... The color grading? The color... That's Yeah, the color grading. That's what it was. Like, yeah. The color, like, the color grading is, like, totally different. So it yeah, makes no, sense. It's, completely it's clear. Different. They literally are all dressed differently, too. Like, you can tell the difference in just their clothes and their, the way they hold themselves because yes. they're trying to showcase they're younger and one older than the other. Whatever. But I love, I don't know, I just feel like it really captures the essence of the book and brings it mm-hmm. into a new generation. I agree. I loved it. It was fantastic. I agree completely. Amazing. Well, Fiona, do you have anything else to say before we wrap up this episode? Um, I'm just reflecting. Can I, like, I didn't talk about the comic by your name adaptation. Oh, yeah, you can talk about that. That's Lays. That's all I really have to say. I read, I watched the movie first and I read the book after, and I think they're, they're both very beautiful. I think this is the one case where I, I just, I think I connect to the movie more than the book. The book had some weird things going on that I'm glad they cut out. Um, but yeah, they're, it's so beautiful. We love movie. We love book. We love stories. Yes. Yeah. Amazing. I need to read a good book. I'm in a, I mean, none of my books are good at the moment. I need to. I know. I'm in a slump. I'm in a hella slump. It's been a long hella slump. I've been hella. reading on my lunch breaks at work, so that's been helping to get through it. That's good. Well, I think well, that's. Is that everything? I think that's it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us on today's episode of Book to Movie Adaptations. Please, as always, we love to hear from. You guys, so message our Instagram if you want to talk about anything or, like, if there's anything in this episode that we missed or any of your favorite book-to-movie adaptations that we didn't talk about or things you think we should watch or read, for that matter. Please let us know. We love hearing from all of you. It's one of my favorite parts of doing this show is connecting with you guys. Fiona, do you have anything else to say to our lovely listeners before we sign off today? As Emily said, thank you so much for listening. Um, please tell us what you like to read, what you like to watch. Um, I will be honest, I take book recommendations from very few people because I'm really, really snobby. But <laughs> um, that's I will okay. read whatever. I am not as snobby as Fiona, I don't think. I won't read whatever. In I that have... regard, at least. Yeah, I think that's that's all. Go watch some movies, read some books, and we will see you in the next one. I... Don't cut this if I'm wrong, but I think our next one is the Batman. After... I think that makes sense. Sure. Yeah. Sounds great. <laughs> I think it's the Batman. Okay. Well, there we are. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>